The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by Niner Empire GB. I'm your host, Kat Victorino, and joining me today are Michael Wandy, Deepak Gohill, and Mark Belayer. Good evening, gentlemen. Hi. Hi, good evening, everyone. Hello from Germany. <laughs> well, this past Saturday evening for me in California and um, overnight for the boys in Europe, uh, the 49ers went into the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, the storied stadium to take on the Green Bay Packers in the divisional playoff round and we came out of it in the final seconds winning 13 to 10 with some spectacular plays that we want to talk about we want to rave Garoppolo was non-existent 11 for 19 131 yards no touchdown one INT a 57.1 passer rating uh, Karen Rogers was 20 of 29, 91.9 passer reading. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this game was really all about special teams and the defense. Go. Yeah. I mean, it was defense for them as well as us. You know, they, they did a good job in, in holding us and, um, I think games like this are always going to be won and lost on, on sometimes on mistakes. You know, luckily turnovers didn't kill us, didn't exactly kill them either. But, uh, you know, we had some, Garoppolo threw, made some really good throws that were dropped, including one for Kittle that could have gone to the house. Equally, they flubbed a few pick sixes that he threw in their direction. So sometimes you need a bit of luck. But my goodness, I was not expecting a touchdown from a punt, a blocked punt. For a touchdown, I can't even remember if that has ever happened in my time as a Niner fan. Well, let's talk about the blocked field goal followed by a blocked punt return for a touchdown. I mean, what was this game, Michael? Yeah, the special teams uh, didn't look like the number six, uh, 26 of the league. They On this game day, they looked uh, like a top five uh, special teams and... That was really awesome. I mean, okay, on the final field goal, uh, Green Bay uh, showed us uh, how you don't play a special teams, especially with 10 players on a field goal block. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it, it was awesome. And, I mean, okay, the offense didn't score, but uh, they always did enough uh, to keep us at least in uh, field goal range, and the defense kept us in the game. And Mark, let's talk a little bit about the rushing. We're still rushing with, uh, whoops, I lost my page. Gosh darn it. Sorry, guys. There we go. <laughs> We're still using Debo heavy on the rush. 10 rushes for 39 yards, a 3.9 average. And then, of course, Elijah Mitchell is still 17 for 53, 3.1 and a long of eight. That's our running back core. Of course, we had other running backs. Uh, you know, use check had two rushes for 14 yeah i mean it was a bit of a, a sort of a mixed bag at, at times with i felt with running the ball especially early on you know we didn't really seem to have a lot of success with it um particularly trying to make the runs to the outside uh, i think we were hoping that we would sort of be able to lean on that a bit more and, and unfortunately that wasn't the case 
early on. But it was, again, like so often, it sort of got better as the game went on. Um, particularly the runs through the inside seem to be particularly effective. Um, uh, and yeah, it continues to be such a, a, a huge part of our offense. And um, it's it, funny how, how how Elijah Mitchell makes such a difference with those runs through the middle, especially um, like Debo. They're both very similar, I think, in that way, the way they're able to avoid um, defenders and break tackles and just get those extra sort of three or four yards. Obviously, Debo's got that explosiveness that the Mitchell sort of doesn't have in quite the same way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, having watched the game a second time, it sort of felt like her running game was better than it felt at the time. I think watching it live, it, it felt like it was a bit of a struggle. But I think that's probably reflection just on the fact that we just, whenever we did get down to the, the red zone, we just didn't really take advantage of it properly until you know, that final uh, winning field goal. I think if you look at those rushing stats um, sort of under the hood a little bit, it's not that much over 100 yards. And before the game, I think everybody knew that we were going to pound the football and run, 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 run. Uh, I would have been surprised if you told me before the game that we would have ran sort of just under 115 yards combined. You would have thought one of our backs, Mitchell or Samuel, would have probably got that much by himself, you know. A hundred-yard game really isn't that much of a big deal now in the NFL. It was back in, back then, but I think um, I think our rushing, and if you look at theirs as well, I think it's as Michael said, it's a it's a testimony to to defense and special teams who control this game from from the very start. And they really did. I mean, it it I think it was Matt Mayoko had been saying on uh, NBC Sports that it's really going to come down to special teams play and it sure in the heck did. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the other thing about this particular 49ers team. I mean, we're finding so many different ways to win a game and, and, and it's, you know, we're not like the bills and the, the Kansas city chiefs where you score, we score, you score, we score, you know, we're going to score one more than you. We, we can't play like that, but what we do play is, with so much tenacity, aggression, and it's the sheer will to win. And some of these things are a bit like Jimmy Garoppolo. The good things that we have, you can't put stats on them. You know, it's it's the sheer desire to, to get through, to win the game and progress. And, you know, one of the things I saw post-game was the huddle. Uh, the things the players said was, we're not done yet. You know, they, they, they still believe, and it's this mindset and attitude I, I, you can't put a stat on stuff like that, but that kind of mindset gets you deep, deep, deep mm. into the playoffs. Yeah, this, this team has character and abundance. I think that's become really evident in the last well, few weeks in the second half of the season. Basically, I think from that time when we beat the Rams in week 10, ever since then, um, and it's just built and built and built. It seems to have got stronger and stronger. And, and it's like we're somewhere in terms of character and that, you say, deep, that kind of winning in so many different ways. Uh, it's not always pretty, but they get the job done. It's like it's like the 2019 Niners team, and it feels like that's almost come out of nowhere because where we were in three and five, <laughs> 2019 felt like a long, long time ago. Uh, and yet here we are, one game away from the Super Bowl, and the team, the players, the coaches, everybody all seem as one on the same page. And it kind of almost gives me that extra confidence in the team when the, when things are going badly. You kind of feel like D will step up and make a play and get a take turnover or something, or the offense will get a drive going when it really really matters. And it's um, 
yeah, going into this week, I know we'll talk about that later, but going into this weekend in such a crucial game, that, that gives me a little bit more kind of a short reassurance, if you like, that, that we'll get the job done. But it comes at a cost, though. They have absolutely zero consideration for their supporters. Since that Rams game, we, we should all be... There, there's some wealthy cottages going around. Yeah. Every single game has been like that since the regular season, and we're now looking on the door. We said it offline. I said it offline before we started recording. But I, honestly, this team... I'm going to need either therapy or I'm going to have to start drinking or something because each week, the last three weeks has just been, oh my God, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, uh, I mean, Deepak, you can see it from a player standpoint too. That's the kind of football we like. I mean, uh, who wants shootouts? Uh, honestly, uh a game that's on the line that's much more interesting for the fans and for the players. And I mean, we have one advantage uh, during the playoffs. We played uh, playoff-style football since, uh, I would say, after the Tennessee game because we had to play uh, playoff-style football to even come into the playoffs. And uh, that helps us now. And um, I mean... Every nail biter we win will uh, will raise uh, the teams uh, believing in themselves, and uh, I mean that's an advantage. If you if you win a, a, a shootout, you say okay, next opponent come on. Now you know you have to fight every fight, and that raises your own uh, self awareness and your own um, consciousness about your team. But I must admit, I do enjoy these games a hell of a lot more afterwards when I'm watching the highlights. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's like for two weeks, not two weeks, sorry, two of the last three weeks against the Rams and against the Packers, there's that sense of it's the hope that kills you because in both of those games, we were done. I mean, it looked pretty much, it looked like it was just not going to happen. We're not going to get there. Um, oh, well, okay, on to next year. And then you get closer and closer and we get so close, and he still quite, still don't quite believe we're actually going to pull it off. Nikki, why you're you're teasing me like this now, Niners? You really are teasing me. And then thankfully, thankfully, you know, we we've seen it through, but I just feel drained at the end of it. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it is it is draining, and you have to sometimes wonder how draining that is on the players. And my theory is it's actually not that draining, and I'll tell you for why. It's because you win when you when you go through that. You know that sense of achievement, that that emotional release of endorphins when you win a fight to the very death, which is what these things are now. It must elevate your confidence, your spirit, and even reinforce that no one can beat us attitude. You know, and and that makes you a very dangerous hunter. Yeah, and it always uh, gives you this, uh, it ain't over till the fat lady sings too, because um, even if we are back uh, two scores or more in this season, we fought, and most games we uh, were, uh, even when we lost, we were close. I mean, there were only two games or so when we lost uh, to uh, marginal uh, uh, points, and most games we were close because we fought the whole 60 minutes. And, I mean, that helps us in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's a really interesting point, Michael, because if you looked at our opponents, the Rams, and without doing a preview, 
but um, they, they were more than two scores up against this Tampa Bay team. And boom, they had the, the carpet pulled under their feet in the blink of an eye. And they are mindful that not only do they have that in them, but they also know that we have the ability to make that sort of comeback. And I think that's going to weigh quite heavily on their minds on Sunday. Getting back to this game, which, oh my God, I'm still like stunned over. Dante Johnson, Drake Greenlaw, and Fred Warner led the team with six tackles each in the game. Uh, the Niners sacked Rodgers five times. The Packers got to Garoppolo four times. Uh, Armstead and Bosa both had two. Ibukam had one. Of course, we already talked about the one turnover, the blocked punt by Jordan Willis that was returned by Hufunga. Uh, for a touchdown. Robbie Gold. That man is still good as gold, isn't he? A two for two on field goals. Holy Toledo. 20 for 20 in his postseason career. Oy, boy, I am so thankful for him right now. I have to admit, um, we can all be pissed with Jimmy or whatever, but uh, his words after the game to Robbie Gold say exactly what we all thought. Robbie, you're a fucking legend, and F the Packers. Exactly. Yeah. So just an extension of that, and we've seen the videos. The, the, the sheer disrespect he had for the Cowboys and the Packers by just continuing to kick his field goal practices. Well. <laughs> I love that. He just did not... <laughs> two monkeys about what they were doing you know and and that kind of arrogance i think it actually gets under people's skins you know that would make them think gosh this kicker is badass you know well but i think that's what's made him such a quality kicker for so long is that he has no f's to give he just is there to do his job and warming up is part of his job definitely i mean you know we are so fortunate that we we have somebody who is so dependent because the NFL has changed a little bit this season. I don't know if it's just me, but all of a sudden you've got people missing extra PATs all over the place, you know, and a missed extra point will sit there forever and it won't go away. And, you know, it's, it's not a gimme. It's, it's really an important play to make. And uh, I'm just thankful we've got this guy kicking for us. Yeah. And in, in overall, I saw a video with, uh, Rex Ryan talking about the game, uh, who, by the way, thinks we will win the Super Bowl. I would take that. Um, but uh, Rex Ryan said uh, the difference between Dallas and the 49ers and between uh, the Packers and the 49ers in both games were that the 49ers find ways to give the ball to the best players in crucial moments, and the Packers and the Cowboys didn't. Uh, that's so true, isn't it? That's how you win these games is you put the ball in the hands of your playmakers and we figured out how to do that, you know. Maybe less so on Sunday, sorry, Saturday night. Well, it was Sunday morning for us. But that is a recipe to win, isn't it? Get the ball yeah. in the hands of the guys. I think that, that special place. teams play yeah. was, was was at the start of the second half, you know, get the ball in Debo's hands. And what, a, you know, what momentum that gave us for that drive uh, on that kick return. It, it it wasn't even only uh, Debo. I mean, in the same drive, uh, you didn't saw uh, George Kittle the whole game, but in that drive, Kittle was on point. And that's what I mean. You give the ball to your playmakers. And our playmaker is not only Debo, although also he's the best playmaker we have. 
uh, Ayuk, uh, Jennings, they are all playmakers. And Jimmy, as bad as he plays sometimes, he always in the crucial moments finds those players. Well, and I think that's that's the piece that um, we haven't talked about a lot is, you know, Jimmy is inconsistent as a quarterback. He's he's an average quarterback. Um, I think a lot of that is could be psychological. Going back to his injury, the you know his big injury in 2018. Um, but when he is on point and makes those decisions and gets to those guys, he is on fire. You know, and the one thing that has remained consistent about him, though, this is my point, is he's the leader. You know, he's got those guys respect because he you can tell he wants to get the ball to everybody, you know. But he's since that locker room is so far behind him, everybody is going to do whatever they can do to to further him along. You know what I mean? Yeah, so in football, you have measurable stats for players, you know, yards rushed, you know, yards receiving, that sort of thing. Quarterbacks have their own metrics. But the one thing that there is no metric for for a quarterback is his intangible skills, you know, his leadership, his effect on his teammates, you know, his motivating factors. There are no numbers for that. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Garoppolo, but I will say this. If there were numbers for his intangible skills, They'd be stratospheric. They'd be through the, the roof. They'd be extremely high numbers. So you do have to give him that credit where it's due, you know. For me, Jimmy has elite intangible skills. And, you know, the way he marshals a defense down downfield or, or can marshal a defense downfield, when he's – I think this is what makes him so frustrating um, because when he's good in that way, he's really, really good. I think, um, as we've seen, obviously it's not consistent with it, but it is. Unfortunately, he makes the kind of mistakes that you would expect a quarterback with his intangibles really not to make. But that is the Jimmy G paradox, you know, from start to finish. You know, he he has it up there, his stats, and I, you know what, I, I don't know what else to say. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Somebody said he's an arsonist and a firefighter in one. At the same time. <laughs> but, uh, but Deepak, there is a statistic that can uh, measure his uh, intangibles. And that statistic is the most crucial statistic of all football games. It's the win-loss statistic. And 35 to 15 with Jimmy, 8 to 28 without Jimmy. There you have your uh, leadership intangibles. Yeah, sort of. You've got to remember it's C.J. Befford and um, Mullins that were the slim pickings that played in those games when Garoppolo was injured. So you can take that sort of stat which, however way you want it. That's the stat with Jimmy at quarterback. That does not take into account any other quarterback other than Jimmy. No, exactly. And if you're going to do that, you can drill it down into lots of different ways. So that stat for me doesn't really make me scratch my head and think, oh, wow, I have missed something here. I think bringing bring this back to, to the game on, on Saturday or, or Sunday, um, I think that drive towards the end of the first half, I just think I, I was watching that back again earlier and I thought, you know, this just sums Jimmy up perfectly in that drive because he was brilliant how he marshaled the team downfield, you know, mixture of handing it off and throwing it and he was on point with all his throws, absolutely brilliant. They were just, you know, slicing through the Green Bay defense, which up until that point, you know, done pretty well. And he thought, here we go, we're really rolling. And then he goes and throws the interception. 
and you just think that is Jimmy in a nutshell. Absolutely awesome to get down there. Tom Brady would have been proud of yeah. that drive to get to that point. What was it, the 15 yard line or something? Until we had the penalty. And then he chucks the interception. And it's just like boneheaded Jimmy all over again. And it's, yeah, frustrating. He had three choices. He could have taken the sack, thrown it out of bounds, or the very worst choice of all was to force the throw to Kittle where he couldn't possibly do it because he ran out of field to, to hit Kittle with. And he picked the very worst of all of those choices. And a part of me thinks he did that because it's somewhere thinking he can make a big play in a playoff game. Well, sometimes making a big play in a game like that is actually not making a play at all. Because I wonder if it's not a coincidence. I think I mentioned it in the Facebook chat during the game that so quite often it seems these mistakes, certainly recently, have come after penalties like false starts or delay of game or something like that. And I just wonder if, or holding, and I just wonder if he's that had that mindset, to, to your point, Deepak, where he's then trying to do too much. Right, I've got to make a play. I need to do something here. I'll maybe force this throw. When really, as you say, sensible move is just chuck it away, live to fight another day. Yeah, but I think that's his gunslinger uh, background. I mean, he is a quarterback who tries to take every shot. And, uh, you know, other gunslingers have the same problem. They have a high touchdown interception ratio. And that's his gunslinger personality. He, tr he thinks he can make that shot. And he tries to take that shot. Even if everyone of us can see, he won't make that shot. Well, mind you, we have the advantage of elevated camera positions, etc. These guys True. Are well, Jimmy has seven interceptions when pressured this season. That's tied with Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, and Trevor Lawrence for the most in the NFL. Four of those seven picks came in Garoppolo's last three games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you say, he's an arsonist and a fire. And a firefighter. In, in the same breath. Um, but look, the thing is, we have won despite those turnovers, you know, and we have had other turnovers as well. So let's just not make it about Jimmy G intercepting the ball, you know, getting the ball intercepted. But I think that the backstory to this is, you know, everyone knows that if you play turnover-free football, you win, and if you if you give the ball away more than you take it away, you're going to lose but we still managed to find a way to win despite giving the ball away, you know, because when Green Bay turned the ball over, there was only one time we actually did something with it. And that was the block punt. And it was high in the air. And I'm thinking, <laughs> look at these idiots. They don't even know where it's going to land. It's going to land there. <laughs> Somebody stand there, you know, and that was the only real turnover that we actually did something with. Whereas the week before we actually went downfield and scored on the back of a turnover that we created. So again, I think turnovers is the thing that we absolutely have to avoid. And if Jimmy G is going to throw an interception and there's a good chance that he will on Sunday, I hope he does it early when it's like we can still claw something back rather than at really critical junctures of the game, like Saturday when we were desperate for points going into halftime, you know, really desperate. Well, the Niners have won on the road for three straight weeks. The last time a team won four straight games that were all on the road in the same season was in 1966 when the Chiefs ended the regular season with three straight road wins and won the AFL title game at Buffalo. I think it's time we join that crowd. 
Yeah, that's when I was born. It was such a long time ago. I wasn't born that long after you, Shush. (laughs) Are also the first team in NFL postseason history to win a game after trailing by four plus points in the final five minutes of regulation and not score an offensive touchdown during that span. Again, that goes down to finding different ways to win, which is a sign of a, a good team. And I think even going into the playoffs, if you'd asked any of the teams, including the number one seat, haha, who would you least like to play? <laughs> no, they were going to say, we don't want to play the 49ers. No matter what, we don't want to play those guys. And that was the first time since 2010 that both first seats uh, were eliminated on the same day. And uh, the team that eliminated one of those first seeds uh, won that Super Bowl that year. Uh, That was, in that case, Green Bay. Love it. Well, let's move on to some group questions. Uh, Mark Lyon wants to know, if Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears, does this now mean we own the Packers? Also, do we own the Bears by default? (laughs) We own the Rams, that's for sure. (laughs) Robbie Gold owns the Packers. Uh, Well... (laughs) Do you know what though? This is this is really good, right? We have ruined. I mean, absolutely taken a gigantic shit over Aaron Rodgers' legacy, because when he's retiring and and he's you know he's going to go to Canton, but he will go knowing that he could never ever ever beat the Forty ers no matter what. He could never do it. He is the only quarterback in history to lose four playoff games to the same opponent. Yeah, and that's his legacy, really. People are going to talk about his one Super Bowl and all the rest of it. And you know what what makes that even better? And I've noticed a few places playing this back now, that quote where he said, I'm going to make the Niners sorry for not drafting me. That's kind of turned on its head now. And it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I know he he obviously won a Super Bowl, but I that forget all well. that. The fact that he didn't beat us in postseason is kind of now turning that comment on its head. I love it. I mean, we didn't even draft him, and he won four playoff games for us. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? I'd love it if he went to another team that has got playoff aspirations, and uh, <laughs> we'd do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Do it all over. Gareth Smith says, listening to Kurt Warner pregame, and he said some teams win with a quarterback and some win because of him. I think with Jimmy, we're somewhere in the middle, but closer to with. Not on pure QB ability, but in his ability to rally guys and stay calm. Thoughts? So that goes back to the leadership that we were talking about, right, guys? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I personally believe we win in spite of him, not because of him. That's not to say he doesn't contribute, but... um, you know, more than anything, I just want Jimmy Garoppolo to do one thing. Just and it, just once, I want him to do this one thing. In a game, I don't care how many interceptions he throws. I don't care how many times he gets sacked if he does just does this one thing. And it's not even to extend a play because he's done that twice in five years, so that's off the list. What I want him to do is score the winning touchdown as time is going down. I want him to be that guy who puts it in the end zone with three seconds left. I want him to do that just one time. Just one time. He can do that in three weeks uh, in L.A. uh, in his last game for the 49ers. (laughs) Whenever he does it, I I don't care, but I just want to see him do that one more. Just once. Just once I want to know. I want to see him do it. That's all. I just really want to see him do that. I would love to see him do it Sunday. 
Well, I'd, I'd rather wait and take the other Sunday, you know. <laughs> I mean, even if he plays a uh, bad, uh, if he wins a Super Bowl with us, he uh, he will go into the circles of Steve Young and Joe Montana, the only quarterbacks who ever won a title with us. So, uh, I mean, that's his legacy he can le leave behind. Yeah, that definitely is. Which, whatever you think of him, and however you you know your perceptions of him as being either a leader or a passenger on this team, it doesn't matter. As you said, he will join that 49ers elite group of two right now by being the only one to have won a, a Vince Lombardi Trophy. Where do we think Jimmy's going to land next year? It's hard to say. There are a lot of teams looking for quarterbacks. Green Bay for a start. <laughs> Honest, honestly, I uh, someone brought it up, and I could see that that happened. Uh, is uh, if uh, Kyle and uh, John and Jed decide that Trey still isn't uh, ready to take over the team, that. He could even uh, sit, out, sit out his last year of a contract with us. That could happen. That, that absolutely could happen. And it's in his interest because it means he can't lose to us in the playoffs again. You know, but you know what, Michael? You've, you've got to be open to that sort of thinking because we didn't think Richard Chairman was ever going to come to us, you know, and he did. So the question then goes is, is Trey Lance going to be ready for next year? Is it now an express sort of production line for rookie quarterbacks? You've got one season, get ready, off you go. Or is it like when Steve DeBerg had Montana sat on the bench for nearly three seasons, Steve Young sat on the bench for two seasons? Do we still give these kids the luxury of time? Because we've made a very heavy investment in terms of draft choices. I personally think they are going to go with the rookie. They're going to give him the keys to the car and say, here, because the pressures are so great on delivering. I hope that car has a good airbag. I just don't want us to break the kid, you know? And I mean, I on I would, you know, I would love to see Jimmy stay another year. Of course, I would love to see Jimmy play consistently as well. And that hasn't happened either. But, you know, I if Jimmy could stay and continue to mentor Trey, I mean, because that's, that's the piece that he's going to need. Trey is going to need to learn how to be a leader. And sometimes having a decent leader to learn from is the way to go. Yeah, no, it's because I think a lot is going to depend on on how ready Kyle and, and and the coaches feel Trey is. Kind of a little bit now, but also looking ahead. To see, I know that you can't leave it too late. Obviously, if you think actually we do need to 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 get someone in who's experienced, he's not ready. But obviously, we we have such a strong team that we can't. I know this argument was put forward at the start of this season, but I don't think we can afford to have a development year for for Trey in in the team if if he's not going to be able to get us the wins to get us to the postseason. The roster's too good not to be making the postseason. So I kind of feel a lot will depend on where they feel Trey is at. I mean, I'd like to think he might be ready to take over next year, but if he's not ready, then I think we've got to re rethink who who starts because to have yeah, it's great, you know, he le learns a lot and so on, but then we have another year of Kittle and Debo and all these guys, Bosa and Warner just not achieving and not fulfilling their potential. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I don't envy Kyle this, um, this off-season in that regard. But again, if, if they feel that he's ready, then let's do it. Let's pass the torch. Yeah, but uh, I, 
I, I, I really love uh, Trader Success, but what people, what a lot of people forget, they, uh, I heard someone uh, comparing him to Steve Young, but what a lot of people forget was uh, Steve Young sat behind Joe Montana, and there he learned that his legs are a bonus and not his main weapon, and uh, that's uh, crucial too, because if he sees his legs as a main weapon, that can hurt him, and that will hurt the team even faster than him uh, sitting behind uh, a quarterback another season and learning how to uh, be the best self he can be. Yeah, I mean, you know, I said this to you, Andy, in a chat. We don't know if he's going to be the next Mahomes or if he's going to be a bust. And if you look at statistics and probability, he's more likely to be a bust than a Mahomes because those guys come once in a generation. You know, they're like Jordan. You know, those guys don't grow on trees. So... We, uh, and it ties in with what Mark was saying. We've got a legacy team here who have a career where they deserve to have extended success in their careers. If this kid can't do it, you know, I think um, Lynch and Shani are going to have to be looking over their shoulders. Um, this next season coming is going to be a difficult one for those two guys, in my opinion. Paul Marsh, uh, is it a done deal that we will lose D'Amico Ryans to a head, co head coach job in the offseason? If it is, does it impact our chances to a Super Bowl win next season as surely we won't strike gold like that a second time? Not if he shows them his third down defense playbook. <laughs> you mean the one that prevents you from winning? Yeah, if he shows them his soft zone prevent defense schemes to win games. No. I, I don't think he will because I don't think he's quite ready and he probably knows it. I, and I think he knows that the 49ers are knocking on the door of maybe you know, continued extended success, he'd want to be in on that, you know. He can have the keys to his own car whenever. And he's a good DC, all things considered, but I don't think he'll go just yet. Uh, you know, we also need to remember after our first Super Bowl, people were clamoring for Sala, and Sala ended up staying around for a couple more years before he accepted the Jets position. So it could also be that Ryan's understands that, you know, he's, he's got a good deal here and maybe let's see where this goes before I jump ship for my own team. Okay. So let's move on to the NFC championship game. We are going back to Levi's South. We are going to be beating the Los Angeles Rams who we, of course, lead the series all-time 75-67-3, and three, winning the last six meetings and 12 of our last 16 games against the Rams. Uh, guys, our only previous postseason meeting, winning 30-3 to three in the 1989 NFC Championship game. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a long time ago. That, yeah, I remember that game well, <laughs> <laughs> actually. Yeah. We ain't done yet. No, we aren't done yet, but... Um... I think this game is going to be incredibly difficult. You know, we have everything to win the game, don't get me wrong. But the Rams, McVeigh is like thinking, they surely can't do me seven times, you know, in a row. He, he's going to have that on him. <laughs> he's also going to have that in him that his team has shown that they can have a capitulation, uh, even though they came back from it. Um, they are going to want to win us, to, to beat us so very, very badly. And if they were playing at home, they would have a chance, you know, but they're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every week now, I'm in a, a Twitter space from the 
Patriots fan club in Germany and we talk about all stuff football. And yesterday I had that same discussion with a Rams fan and he said the same things you said, uh, not a third time, but uh, on the paper, both teams are relatively equal, but uh, they have the psychological uh, pressure. Um, they have to win. It's their stadium. Um, they have built a card house that uh, if they don't win the Super Bowl, falls down. They are, I think, 40 million over cap. They, are, they uh, have, don't have any uh, relevant uh, picks for next draft. I mean, they have one fifth round and two seven round picks. They have to win. If I mean, if we lose, uh, we uh, lost the game, but uh, we achieved more this season than everyone uh, thought us uh, doing after game day nine. Um, we don't have a card out that falls in, it, in its own. Um, they have the psychological pressure, and I think that uh, in the end can help us. Absolutely correct, Michael, because they've spent so much money to try and buy this Super Bowl. Uh, they literally have pissed away all their draft picks. You could say maybe we have to, we don't know. But five and three before we played the Rams, there was no expectation on us to win the playoffs. There was an expectation on the Rams to win the actual Super Bowl. Never mind make the playoffs. Their minimum objective this year is to win that Super Bowl. And now they're in a position where they probably won't, you know. They probably won't. In fact, they won't. I'm going to tell you now that they won't win the Super Bowl. So they're screwed because all that money they've spent, OBJ and all those guys, you know, Cooper Cup, uh, Von Miller, all of that, all the draft choices, I mean – It's just as well they don't have a fan base to piss off. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, get ready for another nail-biter because our last meeting with them was a 27-24 win for the Niners in Week 18 in SoFi, which, as we all know, is Levi's South. It's also a game that will forever live in history after the Niners overturned a 17-point deficit that put us into this postseason. No more nail biters, please. Can't we just... But, but the Rams beat the Bucks last week 30-27. to 27, Another three-point game. Another last-second field goal preventing the Rams from blowing a 24-point lead. I mean, <laughs> it's like this is all we're going to be wired to do? After, after almost getting Falcons 2.0. Exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you, I... I Why can't we just blow them out for once, you know? Please. Well, we did it in week 10, <laughs> didn't we? So let's so, so hope we, we can do that again. Well, we don't need to deal with this whole torture your soul thing again. You know? <laughs> mm. Especially as late in the day as it's going to be for you guys, right? Mm, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the game starts 40 minutes after midnight here in Germany. I think in England it's shortly before midnight. Yes, yes. Yeah, you, you, we have an extra hour over you, Michael. And you're all on good terms with your neighbors, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not after last weekend. It was, yeah. uh, I, I think it was 5 a.m. when the touchdown happened. And I screamed so loud. And seconds after that, I heard someone above me moving. 
<laughs> I have a yeah. I have wonderful neighbors. My neighbor came down to visit me at five in the morning on on that day. <laughs> he doesn't normally come over that early, but I was pleased to see him regardless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live in a semi-detached, so uh, I I I didn't I haven't heard anything from him from my neighbors. So I'm assuming all is good. Uh, so I might have made a little bit of noise at about what was it three o'clock in the morning, half three, something like that. Yeah, well, my wife, she 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 actually had a fight with me, not because I woke her up. She goes, "What the f are you talking about? You could not have won that. You were it was like a, a church mouse the whole game. I didn't hear a noise from you. I thought you'd won, you'd lost, <laughs> and you'd be back to normal until September, and then you acted like a psychopath." What <laughs> <laughs> I, I live in a six-party uh, uh, apartment building, and uh, I have uh, one family above me, one family below me, and on the other side of the floor, there are three more families. So, yeah, and and the walls are pretty thin for German standards. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have a common wall with my neighbor. I'm in a kind of a duplex house. Um but fortunately, it was 6.30 in the evening for me, so, well, so 9.30-ish. Yeah, but in California, I expect everybody else would be going mental, too. Most most <laughs> people yeah. around here were going mental, yes. <laughs> Their yeah, other half... going mental by yourself at 5.30 in the morning. Right. <laughs> That's the definition of mental. You know, when you do that, you really, there really is something wrong with you, you know. <laughs> You guys are getting mad preps. I don't know who he's following, but uh, one of the KMBR morning guys, the early morning guy, uh, is talking about how he's been getting tweets from this guy in the UK and how you guys are all staying up until five in the morning. And I'm like, dude, I do a podcast with people like that. (laughs) I mean, uh, if we wanted to, we could do a real good morning football in Europe because good morning football over here is at uh, 3 p.m. So for us, it's uh, in the afternoon, but uh, most games, uh, we're uh, most night games, we are up until 5 or 6 a.m. You know, that is a credit to, to our fans. You know, the ones that are in the States will, those who can, will travel to Sophie. You know, people making incredible sacrifices to support this team. And, you know, we are we are a bit, you know, um, let's just say eccentric here in Europe. But at the end of the day, a lot of us have jobs to go to and, and things like that. So to operate on no hours sleep and still have a functional day just so we can watch this team, you know, we... We are every bit as faithful as our brothers and sisters across the ocean, you know, in my opinion. Every bit. Every bit as faithful. We are just faithful with caffeine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, getting back to this game, offensively, let's talk about the Rams who are seventh in the NFL, averaging 27.1 points per game. Uh, Let me stand down here. The Niners sit at 13th with 25.1 points per game. So uh, points, what we, I mean, on paper, guys, ninth, the Rams are ninth in total yardage with an average of 30, 372 yards per game. The Niners are seventh in rushing yards, 127, 12th in passing yards, 248. I mean, they're sitting pretty neck and neck. Niners are, oh, geez. 
I mean, again, I, I feel like it's going to be another nail biter. The matchup you want to look at, Kat, is their offense versus our defense and then break it down, their rush offense against our rush defense. And that will give you uh, a more of a, a detailed picture of, of what that matchup could look like, I think. Well, they, uh, you know, the Rams are sixth in passing yards allowed or rushing yards allowed. Niners are seventh in rushing yards. So, so we win that matchup. We win we? that battle just barely. Yeah. I think it's control the line of scrimmage. Don't commit turnovers. You win. But then that applies to every single game in the NFL. Yeah. And control well, the clock. I mean, if you don't use the numbers, but compare the players, uh, in the offense, we are pretty evenly matched with them, uh, except for, I would say, Stafford is a bit better than Jimmy, but he still has his uh, Jimmy moments too. And uh, in the defense, uh, the lines are pretty close too, but we have the better linebacker core and they have the better backfield. I mean, uh, it will be a nail-biter because both teams are relatively evenly matched. Uh, everyone talks about uh, Aaron Donald, but uh, Aaron Donald is only one player. We have Nick Bosa and it's, it's the same. If the if their offense line stops Nick, Nick Bosa... Um, It, it hurts us as much as uh, if we stop Aaron Donald. So I don't know why everyone uh, I hear everyone I hear talking about the game says, yeah, Aaron Donald will destroy, uh, destroy our O-line. It, it's one player, and it, we pretty much stopped him in every time we faced them. Yeah, there's only one game that I can recall when Aaron Donald threatened to take it over and started. There were like four or five plays where he was just like everywhere, Uh, and then, and then, then that was it. He disappeared after that, and he was anonymous pretty much before it. And and, and we won that game. I think that was coming if that was last season or the season before. But um, yeah, it's just it was it's last just one year. player. Yeah, I think I think it might have been. Um, but in his his record against us, I don't want to jinx anything. But so far, his record against us hasn't been hasn't been great. And I, I really hope that we can continue that. Uh, obviously, on Sunday. I even think that was before because what I can remember, since we have Brunskill, uh, Brunskill manhandled Aaron Donald, and Brunskill is not the best O-line man, but he every time he manhandled uh, Aaron Donald, and if if a no-name player can manhandle you, you can't be the best defensive player there is. <laughs> no, but I think the other thing that will topple this advantage and make it lopsided for us is if, for me, Our best offensive player, Trent Williams, plays because that guy is just a monster. He, he's just phenomenal. I know Debo this, Debo that, but you ever watch Trent Williams play? Don't watch the the backs. Don't watch the quarterbacks. Don't watch the receivers. Just watch the linemen and watch Trent Williams just bam, bam, bang, bang, bang his way to his blocks. He's, he's so much fun to watch. And I think that guy is going to give us the edge. I think we've become a different team since he's joined us. And uh, I, I can't imagine the 49ers without him ever again. Well, I mean, like anyone wouldn't pass up trying to play in the championship game anyway. But I did see a quote right before we got on to record that Shanahan does expect Trent Williams to play this weekend. Yeah, for, for me, he's, um, he's, he's in my... I think he's my, my favorite player this year. Is because you know it's nice, Debo Debo. I get it, Kittle Kittle. 
this guy is an O-lineman. They deserve some love, you know. <laughs> I, I really hope that Embry Thomas is playing. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm hoping a rookie is playing, but um, if, if, if he doesn't play, uh, you have uh, on the one side, you have Eman, who uh, is, can stop uh, OBJ and maybe has a, ch a chance to stop Cooper Cup, who definitely is the best wide receiver this season. Uh, but on the other side, uh, then you have Dante Johnson or Norman uh, against uh, either OBJ or Cooper Cup, and that will uh, definitely be a, a, a loss for us because no one of both... Uh, we need safety help on that side. Mm, yes, we do, definitely. And we do not need PI calls. No, we don't. But, um, I mean, in terms of penalties, it was... Dallas doing all the penalties in, in Texas and we weren't too bad against Green Bay. You know, we were we were reasonably okay. I, I think the the disciplines come at the right time, the forms come at the right time, the desires come at the right time. Everything's happening at the right time. We're peaking at the right time. You know, I, honestly, I'm not just saying this. I'm completely convinced we will win this and progress to a rematch with Kansas City. Although I must uh, really admit, uh, P.I. Johnson uh, in the Packers game, except for the first drive uh, where they didn't find a way to stop uh, Adams, uh, he played lights out. And if he plays uh, the same way uh, this game, uh, if he has to play, uh, that will be a huge advantage for us. Because we know if he plays uh, without error, he can be a really good uh, cornerback. I think so much depends on how much we can throw um, the Rams off their rhythm on, on both sides of the ball. I mean, like, for how long was it? it was nearly practically three quarters against Tampa Bay. They looked scary good. And um, they, you know, their offense was purring, apart from obviously their, their, those turnover issues. I think even was it at the end of the first half or something, wasn't it? But you know, they were, other than that, they were just you know, dissecting through the defense. Everything was going, all their stars were getting involved, you know, Beckham and so on. They looked really, really good. But then as soon as things started to go a little bit wrong and Tampa started to put that pressure on them, they weren't, it started to fall apart a little bit. And it seems the same defensively. You know, if we get on that offensive line can hold and keep the pass rush at bay and with that run plays, because I think our running game is way more creative than anything that Tampa Bay could put out there. And there's lots more motion pre-snap. Then obviously that throws them off on the defensive side as well. So I think that's just is the key thing is get them out of their rhythm. Because if we don't, if we can't, then we're not going to win. Just let me put this out there, guys. Do you think the Rams made the Buccaneers look good? Because the Bucs look really lame to me. They looked like a team that was there to be beaten for literally the entire game until Brady decided he wanted to have another go at saving his ass. But for me, I thought the, the, the Bucs looked really anemic they didn't seem themselves i don't know maybe i'm wrong that's why i'm it, putting it out there well, yeah I it think definitely wasn't yeah. the team i expected to see on the field sorry mark yeah yeah i think there's elements of that but i, I think also when when the rams I, I do honestly feel when the rams are able to just do their thing you know when stafford's got time in the pocket and when von miller and donald and so on are able to to you know get pressure on the o-line they are i do think they are a really good team 
when all that's going well. And yeah, I think the Bucks obviously have their issues, and I don't think they play particularly well for the for the vast majority of the game. But I do think the Rams are good, and if you give them that space and you give them that time, they'll just pull you apart. And that's hence why I say I think if we've got to make sure we can interfere with that as much as possible, then they're vulnerable and and they're then a bit more ordinary. I completely agree with you. I think the demand is going to be made from our defensive front four to get after Stafford and make try and get him to throw away from the flanks and more into the middle towards Cooper Cup where we can contain him with linebacker play because our cornerbacks might not be fast enough for OBJ. Yeah, but I think the key matchup isn't on the field. The key matchup is uh, Kyle against their DC and D'Amico against McVeigh and their OC and Hightower against their special teams coordinator. Those are the key matchups uh, we have to win. And uh, at least two or two of them we have to win. And I see one weakness the, the Rams have we didn't talk about. It, I saw it in the game, uh, in our game against them. I saw it in the game of the Bucks against them. After the second half, after the opponent makes uh, adjustments, their DC doesn't seem to have ways to readjust. And uh, that could be their uh, Achilles, uh, because uh, he couldn't readjust uh, to our uh, ga uh, gameplay in the game, uh, and he couldn't adjust to the Bucks adjusting to his defense. And... D'Amico uh, seems to be uh, really quick in adjusting your, his defense when he needs to. I just want to ask you guys a quick question about the matchups because Michael makes a good point about coaches versus coaches. We're playing them for the third time this season. Is that a good thing for us tactically or is it something that could perhaps work against us? Ooh. Honestly, I think, <laughs> I think um, the familiarity between the two teams works to our advantage only because Kyle has proved time and again that he can outcoach McVeigh. Yeah, and I think that psychological edge would weigh heavy on McVeigh, not to mention the pressure that he has to show his owners of Vince Lombardi, otherwise it's the end of the world. Yeah, and uh, I, I think uh, what... Uh, I mean, we criticize Kyle a lot this season, Um But uh, it seems every time uh, we think uh, Kyle's uh, game plan is at an edge, he seems to find new pages in his uh, in his uh, playbook uh, we haven't seen before. And uh, I think that's a strength. And uh, we are in those uh, parts of the season where you open your playbook fully. And I don't think we have seen every play in the Kyle Shanahan playbook uh, for this season. And uh, I think he will open his playbook uh, for, uh, about three quarters or so because he needs some uh, surprises if we go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I kind of would agree with that. I, I think there's more creativity on, on, on Shanahan's side of it. Um, and I think because we've won in different ways I mean both games this season were so different you know one we just pummeled them into submission and we won convincingly then the other one we had to come from behind we were up against it it was backs against the wall and, and Jimmy and the team came through in the clutch and and we won we you know we overcame their massive advantage and, and, and won it in a really tight game so I think I don't you know there's nothing 
I don't think there's anything that that we do that's kind of just that, that's the same that that, that that McVeigh can really predict in that way. It's not if we're beating them the same way all the time, then I think you could say, okay, well we know they're going to do this, so we'll make those adjustments accordingly. But it's kind of we, we we can do it all. So I don't think there's any one thing that McVeigh can kind of pinpoint and say, well, let's do this, and then that that's the game plan, and that will that's our path to victory. Whereas I think with Shanahan, there's a much easier path to victory because what we do works in so many different ways. But, uh, you know, the last sort of half a dozen, eight games maybe in the league, every single defensive coordinator knows that the ball's going to go to Debo Samuel, no matter <laughs> what. Uh, they know that he's going to run with it and they still can't stop him. They know what the play is going to be, but they still cannot stop him. Well, and even if they do, you know, we've got Kittle, who's a playmaker. We've got Ayuk, who's a playmaker. Even Jennings, who's turning out to be a playmaker. And, of course, the guy who's been forgotten a lot in all of this still is Elijah Mitchell, who's been awesome all this season. And I know he's had a lot of credit, but most recently, you know, he's almost and been star of this team. And, yeah, and, and Juice. So the, all of them are contributing, though, and in very specific ways, because... You cannot turn your back on a single one of those guys and think, oh, it's just Jennings. Well, you know what? He's an assassin. <laughs> it's not just, oh, it's just Elijah Mitchell. the yeah, seventh round, lucky he made the 53-man rust. That, well, you know what? That guy's going to kill you tonight, and you're going to watch him. We're going to watch him do it slowly. We have those weapons. So, yeah, I, 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 I think the psychological edge definitely is with us, but you've still got to give them the respect that they're due. Oh, totally. Yeah, definitely. And we always talk about this triple threat quarterbacks. I mean, the thing with Kyle's offense is he gives you the same look in the offense and plays three to four different plays out of it. That's that's a thing. You get the same look uh, four times in a row, and each time it's a different play. And, of course, the defense thinks, oh, it happens the same thing like before, but it doesn't. That's the schemes he does, you know. That's the that's his creativity right there. And I agree with uh, with you guys. You know, he hasn't shown us any of his best stuff yet. We didn't know that Debo was going to throw for a touchdown in Texas. No. You know. <laughs> I want to so, see that again, though. <laughs> there, is, there is so much in his locker that I think you know he's he's saving for specific situations. I just don't want us to be caught on a fake punt ever again. Yeah, no, no. no more. I just don't want that, you know. Yeah, but the Cowboys were fair, caught on the same fake punt the next play again, too. Yeah, well, we're lucky it was just the Cowboys, you know. And uh, <laughs> I saw something very funny today. The 49ers managed to do something that Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden couldn't do. And that's reunite America to hate the Cowboys again. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, uh, I really love... Even if... if if you lose, okay, it will suck, but I really love the playoffs so far. I mean, we have beaten the Cowboys. We have beaten uh, the the Packers, uh, not to mention that 70 times, 70% uh, of times when we have beaten the Cowboys in the playoffs, we have won the Super Bowl. Then uh, we have a chance to face the Bengals in the Super Bowl again. I mean... That could be such a revival tour this season. Well, we also have this working in our favor. Since, 19, since the 1970 merger, there have been 22 previous instances of a team going 2-0 and in the regular season against a team and then meeting a third time in the playoffs. 
The team that won the first two games is 14 and 8 in the playoff meeting. Whew. I Jeez. think we're going to make that 15 and 8. Yeah, and and someone compared us with the 2010 uh, Giants, uh, who kicked us out of the championship uh, game. Uh, by the way, uh, who were um, one of uh, who were the sixth seed uh, coming into the playoffs and threw out the first seed and then won the Super Bowl. But this would be truly extraordinary to have so many road wins in in an extended playoff run. Uh, I mean, our playoff game, our first playoff game, if you ever asked me, was against the um, the Houston Texans. To me, that was a playoff game when Trey Lance was forced to start because Garoppolo was injured. If we didn't win that, we weren't going to the playoffs. So that was a playoff game. Then the Rams was a playoff game, you know, and then, then it all started, you know, it was the Cowboys, then it's the Rams, you know. That's four playoff games in four weeks. And everything that comes with it, the injuries, the euphoria, the the lot, you know, there's a lot these guys are processing right now. And um, we're not going to do it the easy way. And for that reason, and I'm not going to assume we're going to beat the Rams, far from it. But if we were to make it to the, to the final, to the Super Bowl, I would want us to play the best team in the AFC, and that is the Chiefs. And I want us to beat them convincingly because people will say Mahomes lost the Super Bowl to this team. That's why. I I, I want the Bengals, but okay, uh, but um, and and doing the right decisions in the right time. I mean, the, the their decision to get out, uh, get back Mark and Sotra uh, really stabilized our special teams. Even if he couldn't stop himself uh, uh, in that. Uh, in the Cowboys game, uh, he, he even said he had uh, fear that they fire him again for that. Well, let's not let's not get too far ahead of our. Yeah, exactly. Let's get through. Yeah. Let's get through Sunday let's get night. Get through the Rams first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we needed to cover everything. We've we. I think we did it. I think it's time to say goodbye, boys. Oh, okay. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah i survived the show with cat without the two minute uh, drill we put that on hold because we were having more than our normal panel so um, okay fair enough yeah. and we you know we tend to talk a lot once we get more than two of us in a room together so we do we do especially when i'm <laughs> <laughs> but this has just been the most incredible playoff run I'm looking forward to talking next week about moving on but let's go Niners yeah let's go Niners and thanks yeah, for having me we ain't done yet we ain't done yet <laughs> we ain't done yet on behalf of Deepak Gohill, Mark Belayer and Michael Wandy, I am Kat Victorino you have been the audience. I've been your host. We'll be back next week. Go Niners. Goodbye for now.